Okay, if we start now, what's going to happen? <laughs> we'll see what happens. Yeah. Welcome back, um, friends, family, Thrive um, participants. All of the above. We need to come up with a name for members of Thrive. And I've been thinking about this so long because it's, it's just a way to address people. Thrive family is what we've been going with. I think we can do better though. If you've got ideas, people listening, let us know. What do you like, like to be called? <laughs> Thriveteers. Thriveteers. I don't think so. But the, no, not? Thrivers. <laughs> um, Thrivers. Guys, we're, we're, with, uh, we're with Coach Mario here today. And we're going to talk about the painful subject of pain, recovery, and someone's coming up. But that's Mike. And getting more out of your workouts. I think this is going to be a really great conversation. Pause. So we'll start with this, Mario. Introduce yourself first and, and tell us about um, your experience as an athlete and how you've grown over time. So I've been doing CrossFit for seven and a half, almost going to be eight years this July and uh, done it countless gyms, four or five gyms. I started out my journey through through CrossFit was I was a wrestler in high school, wanted to get stronger, wanted to get fitter. And I really dove into, I uh, thought about doing competition, comp competitive CrossFit. And I just did uh, local competitions. I never made it anywhere serious, no regionals or, or games, anything like that. And I love the competitive side of it. I'm a pretty competitive person. And I really dove into that for the first two, three, four years of CrossFit, I, I was really focused on just competing with myself and competing with the higher level athletes in my gym. And without the proper coaching at all times and kind of focusing on my needs as, a, as an individual, I kind of broke away from what my body needed. And that led to, to a lot of some pain, some injuries, uh, back injuries, leg injuries, shoulder injuries. And through that, I, I found myself educating myself on mobility flexibility things and really diving in onto how do we really provide a, a better service to athletes as, as I became a coach that's kind of became my focus and that's now what I'm here doing at Thrive is helping people get out of pain with some corrective exercise and supplementation with their uh, CrossFit classes and that's really what I, I, my focus is right now awesome what was it what was it like for you as an athlete to experience pain for the first time? And what was your, what did you do? Uh, first time I was like, oh shit, what the hell happened? <laughs> like, I felt like I broke my spine in half and I was like, well, what did I just do? Um, so I went like what most people do. They went to a doctor. I went to a regular doctor. They told me to go see a physical therapist and I did some PT for a little while. And that it had some uh, minor benefits. It did relieve me of my pain, but we didn't actually find the root cause of my back pain. Um, I, I ended up finding that out on my own. I'm still finding it out how I can be better. And it, what it came down to was a core instability issue that I never really trained my core, my midline stabilization. And when I was going under heavy loads and doing uh, gymnastics and getting into hyperextension, I was putting a lot of extra load on my back and I didn't understand that, I didn't know that. I thought I just had a bad back, I couldn't deadlift. And it was, no, it's like we have to focus on your midline, focus on your core strength 
and building that up. And that's like my first experience was trying to figure out how to unpack that. So physical therapists are very useful. We'll get into how they can be useful later on in the, in the, in the podcast today. Um, but that's my first introduction with pain and kind of evolving with that as, as I've learned more. You said something really, really interesting there. Um, I have, I have a bad back. Suddenly your identity changes. I hear it a lot. I hear people say things like, I have a bad back. I have a bad knee. I, you know, I've got this problem. I am this problem. They associate their, who they are with this. And the, the frustrating, challenging part as an athlete, I was there two years ago, was, is the identity crisis that you have. Going from a 20-something-year-old fit individual, really, really strong, really um, positive, I bet, really confident to all of a sudden associating who you are with your diagnosis given to you by someone else. And you automatically own it right? My back injury, my herniated discs, my sciatica, common, common problems. Yep. How did you deal with the identity issue there? And what, what are some things we can do to overcome that and help to shift the perspective? I'd say we have to start by disassociating ourselves from it, which is hard especially when we've given been given a diagnosis or like you have this X, you have this X issue, um, unpacking that you didn't always have that issue that you were able to function and other people have functioned with it and have overcome that pain, whatever, whatever severity it is. Um, and that's, I think the first step is understanding that it might not be a hundred percent, but we can get back some of it or maybe all of it of our either range of motion, our ability to perform exercise, and that the instance that you suffered that injury or that pain might not have been just from that exercise or that specific moment. It might have other factors that weren't really uh, told to you that contributed to why that injury occurred. And unpacking that as well uh, is beneficial and important in, in taking away that label from yourself that I am this thing. It's not you. Um, it's just something that you've experienced and you can experience getting out of pain as well. Mm -hmm. I want to come back to the identity thing in a bit. You had brought up um, understanding that the occurrence and the single event um, is only, that's when you felt it. That's when you experienced the, the problem, the pain. Um, although the, the actual, the, what contributes to it is, is a lot more. So how do injuries actually happen and what can we do right away injuries happen when your uh, capacity of your threshold is exceeded by some some load and there's multiple things that contribute to that we have our daily stress we have diet sleep our exercise that we do things that happen to us throughout the day and then all of a sudden bam we have injury but it's not just that significant moment in time there's a bunch of things that led up to it uh, if you hurt your back on deadlifts it wasn't necessarily the deadlift the eighth rep of your deadlift it was the seven reps before that it was the things that you did before that maybe you didn't warm up as well maybe you had a very stressful day at work 
Maybe you've been sitting in the car all day or whatever it is. So we're, we're unpacking the things that happened before it. It's not the deadlift. It's not deadlifts that hurt your back. It's not the eighth deadlift that broke your back. It's there's a buildup of things that have occurred before that point in time and understanding that that deadlifts don't hurt your back. It's maybe what has what has happened before that your lack of training your midline or other things that we can unpack has led up to that deadlift. So if we can kind of take steps in reverse, decrease your load, te reteach you how to stabilize, reteach you how to get better sleep, teach you how to uh, decrease your inflammation from your diet, we've decreased your, we've increased your capacity and we can maintain that same load and now it's no longer above your threshold for injury. It's like, it's like an obese person saying that the cup of soda they just had made them fat. Right. It was built up before then. Right. And the, the hard truth about it is that it's all based on lifestyle, your lifestyle, which is your behaviors and your choices. And that's, and it's not a bad thing. It's okay. We're going to, we're going to try and, and push the limits of what our bodies are capable of. That's the beauty of what we do in the, in, in the gym, in any gym. We want to challenge our bodies and challenge our minds. And you had mentioned other factors that contribute to pain. And let's just dive into that a little bit. Um, stress, diet, sleep. These are the three components that are overlooked by doctors and we approach them first and that's the difference between um, the health care that we provide as coaches and as, um, as a facility versus what you would get at the doctor um, they're treating the symptoms and we're treating the cause and effect we're treating the lifestyle and the person in order to prevent this from occurring again or at the very best giving you a little more insight to how you can overcome it and that's and to, to, to kind of go into that a little bit deeper it's not that doctors are bad or that they're trying to do things negatively towards you it says it's not necessarily in their scope to dive into your diet to your exercise habits if you've ever been to a doctor's office recently they have a whole list of patients that they're seeing on a daily basis that they don't have hours upon hours to dive into your individual uh, problems. It's not like you can book, hey doc, can I have an hour of your time to look at my triglycerides and my lack of exercise for the last 20 years? That doesn't happen. And that's where we kind of can take that step in in conjunction with your doctor who may diagnose you with a condition <clears throat> is we're not going to diagnose you with anything, but we can say let's break down your lifestyle habits to uh, alleviate some of the problems that are causing you the issues that you've been diagnosed with. How about we increase our exercise, we increase our consumption of vegetables, that might decrease your inflammation and decrease your need for diabetes medication, as an example. So working in conjunction with those things is, is important for our levels of uh, health. So. so, when you first feel pain, what's actually happening inside of you? And what are the what are the types of injuries that we can deal with? Some well, if, if we're talking about something that just happened, like today I rolled my ankle, for example, that's an acute injury. It just happened. I don't have a history of 
injuring my ankle or ankle pain. So that's an acute injury. That's going to something that's going to be requiring a little bit more rest, and that's going to most likely require you seeing a physical therapist or another uh, professional who's going to deal with you on a more uh, in an individual basis in terms of, all right, we might need some manual muscle work. So it might be some grasping, for example, or different physical therapy tools to help you with that specific injury. Um, but if we're looking at pain that we've had for a long time or chronic pain, that's something that we can kind of help you with, uh, with our corrective exercises, because that's going to have a little bit more long-term uh, benefit from the experience that you've had. So short-term injury or acute injury, that's gonna be something that's gonna require more rest. A chronic injury, we have to unpack that a little bit more because that's pain that's not gone away for a long time. Uh, what else were you thinking on that point? I like what, so go, let's just talk on acute, acute injuries. Um, these are finite things. They have an end point. Um, I, I've rolled my ankle, I've fell, fallen before. Think of an acute injury like a cut. It's going to heal if you allow it to, if you take the steps. How do we heal an acute injury? Most of the time, it's going to be good rest and then reintroduction. And the difference between the acute and the chronic injuries is the chronic stuff, you're going to feel it again. It's going to come back. My, my lower back pain um, caused by my years of neglect of my body um, and a lot of really heavy deadlifts with poor form is the reason why I'm, I'm hurting still and I'm, st and I'm still feeling it occasionally. It's normal. People experience this stuff. Everyone has some chronic issues. But the acute stuff, acute injuries are things that, well, recognizing them, one, you're still moving, it's not getting better, right? If it's not getting better as you start to move and warm up, it's, a, it's an acute injury. It's something that we need to handle um, quickly with rest versus the chronic injuries, which may start to feel better as you move. And this is a strange phenomenon. Um, things like tendinosis, right? Um, constant inflammation of a joint or a tendon. You'll feel this after or before a workout. And for some reason, when you start moving, it feels better so you continue to work through it and you think that's okay and it sometimes it is as long as the pain um, is relatively low it's good except that it um, it can be prolonged if we're going at the same rate of intensity and this is this is how injuries get worse when you have an acute injury and then the next day you go back to the gym and you perform as if you have no injury. You perform as if nothing ever happened. And sometimes you can get away with it. If you hurt your hand, you could stay off that hand for a while and still get some intensity. If you hurt your back, however, and then the next day is deadlifts and you come in and you try to max out your deadlift, that is a poor decision. And it's going to make things worse in the long run. You're going to feel it during your workout. Your um, capacity to actually lift the weight will be much lower. So you're going to disappoint yourself. And the long-term effects could be disc herniations, fractures, muscle imbalances, things like that.
So acute versus chronic is important to recognize. I just got hurt. Is this a long-term thing? Maybe. If not, then let me go to a doctor. If it is, I need to address the things that I am doing in order to make sure I don't feel the pain again. So oftentimes we experience pain in one particular area, one side of the body. You know, for me, it's my lower left um, back. Why does that happen? So this is going to be more referred to chronic pain. And this is for a couple different reasons, right? We could have weakness on that side. So if you're deadlifting, that side of your body can't withstand that load compared to your left or your right side of the body, for example. The other side is that it could be overused. So maybe the left side is weak and your right side is being overused and it can't withstand that extra load that it's carrying. So there's unless we do some strength testing, there's no way to know just by looking at you. Uh, but those are the two, two things. So you could be weak or you could be overusing that side, that muscle group or that joint. Same thing with your shoulders. Your right shoulder's in pain. Okay, well, is your right shoulder stronger than your left or is it weaker than your left? Those things, those strength tests can determine what we need to do to either strengthen that area or strengthen the other side. Uh, and if that needs, that side needs some rest. So that's kind of what we, we, we look at through our strength testing protocols is determining is your issue a strength balance issue in weakness or in overuse? I want people to get the right idea here. When we say weak, what is that defined as? So that we're not thinking that we're weak, right? Right. So How do we define um, strength balance in a way that's going to be uh, understandable and digestible in a way that we can actually do something about it right now? Okay, perfect. So let's talk about a shoulder press, strict shoulder press with a, with a dumbbell. Let's say I have 30 pounds. I can, do three, I can do a set of eight reps on my right side, and I can do a set of 12 reps on my right side. I think I said that right. Left side. Left side. Yeah. <laughs> 12 on the right, eight on the left. So that's the difference of four reps. So depending on what side pain I have, that's either, but what we found with that result is that my right side is stronger with the 12 reps than the left side with the eight reps. So there's a strength imbalance there. Strengthening my left side, getting that number to be same, 12 and 12, getting that strength balance to be balanced is going to value, is going to uh, balance the shoulders and it's going to de decrease that pain that I'm having, whatever side it is, either by increasing the, the, the left side because the right side's in pain or increasing the left side because the left side's in pain and it's weaker. So that's what we're not saying that you're weak if you can't do a certain weight or a certain number of reps. It's more of your body's relativity to that. So reps and weight is to your relative strength is, is what we're talking about with strength balance, not some uh, artificial, like you have to press this weight for this amount of times mm -hmm. uh, kind of standard. Right, it's all relative. And the what happens because of that, aside from pain and the, the process of correcting correcting this, when, when one side is very strong and the other side is kind of strong, we're not reaching the potential that we actually have. So what your example, 75% difference right between right and left, your 
side that's stronger is going to be working overtime. That's the overtraining aspect. And your weaker side is going to be working, is going to be underperforming. And so you're not optimizing what you're actually capable of. And what we see all the time, which is, it's, it's fascinating, is we're not chasing the performance goals, we achieve them anyway. When we rebalance the shoulders, when we rebalance the legs, we'll see a marginal increase in overall strength, overall capacity. And just to put this in, uh, you know, some, some perspective, like, let's talk about the back squat. And, you know, there, we have to do this. I want to do this eventually, but um, do a squat cycle with an imbalance. You might see some improvement. Do a single leg cycle focusing on rebalancing the strength. You'll see marginal improvements or significant improvements in your back squat, more so than if you were unbalanced or if you were unbalanced and only training the back squat. So we, we work to strengthen the underperforming side, maintain strength on the really strong side, and you haven't done a single thing to strengthen um, anything but that weaker side, and you're gonna see a really significant improvement across the board. So if performance is what you're looking for and what you'd like to get out of uh, what you do in the gym, and you're not addressing these things, these imbalances and weaknesses, you're leaving performance on the table like a thousand percent. Think about a car, right? If you have a flat tire on one car, it doesn't matter if you're increasing the engine size, you're not going to drive the car faster. The car's not going to be able to perform faster if you still have a flat tire. So unless we address that flat tire, the car is still not going to drive well. You could put fancy rims on it. You could strap up relief sleeves, you can grab weightlifting shoes, whatever it is. And if we don't address your imbalance, you still have the flat tire. We still aren't going to be able to reach that back squat potential performance or the pain that we're in because of that uh, imbalance. Uh, we're, and, and on the imbalances side, um, just so everyone understands, left to right is one way, left arm to right arm, push, uh, left push to right push left leg to the right leg strength. We also have forward, back, up and down. We have pull to push. Your, your, um, your ability to do a pull up versus do a press. Your ability to squat versus deadlift. Those are two different motions that are relative to each other. Some people might be better at deadlifting than squatting or, or vice versa, we see all the time. Um, when you go for a back squat and your, your chest drops down and it looks like you're just bending forward. That's a good sign that your back squat needs a lot more work than your deadlift. Yet you're deadlifting more often, right? You're working within your strengths. People are a bit good at hinging, okay? Are you good at squatting? They're two um, parallel movements though. So we need to uh, make sure that we're reaching the, the, the full potential of both. In this case, hey, some, one person in the gym who has this problem may need to only deadlift once a week and they need to squat three times a week. And then the other person who's really great at squatting and really, really bad at picking stuff up, then they need to focus more on the deadlifting and less on the squatting. 
and then they'll optimize their performance. They'll get more out of their workout. This is really key. What we also see is that people with these similar imbalances are going to experience discomfort and pain doing their weaker movement. When you have a when you're a hinge dominant, deadlift dominant athlete or individual and you go to squat, it's going to be extremely uncomfortable and painful in the long run or uh, the cause of further damage. So that's why it's important to balance the strength and train appropriately. Most people are just doing too much of the things that are unnecessary, right? They're overtraining the things that they are good at and they're undertraining their weaknesses. So what are some things we can do? How do we correct these things? And what does the process look like um, when, when we get hurt or we, we figure out that we have weakness or imbalance? How do we fix it? It comes down to unpacking what's led up to the, the situation and unpacking what we're doing in the gym how often we're training, what are we doing with our training, are we doing extra training after or before, unpacking what we're doing and why Why are we doing it, what's our, our goal. And that's, that's one thing I think sometimes gets lost in what we do at the gym sometimes is we, we love the workout, we love that feeling that of, of completing the workout, getting a good time, getting a good score, but we lose the fact of, all right, what are we trying to do? Are we trying to uh, gain muscle? Are we trying to lose fat? Are we trying to just live a healthy life? So unpacking that I think is super important in, in understanding, all right, why do I have pain right now? Am I really living my gym life to the best of my actual life or am I chasing, chasing uh, things that are not really uh, important to me when I really think about it? So I think that step one is unpacking what we're doing and why we're doing it. And then getting an assessment done and understanding what your body is actually in need of uh, separate from what you might enjoy and having fun. So I love muscle-ups. Doing muscle-ups every day, not a good idea for me. Not an idea for most people. Unpacking that, right? maybe muscle-ups once or twice a month is probably all I need to do uh, to maintain my ability to do them and maintain my ability to work out four or five days a week. Understanding after I do an assessment, hey, I have a weak midline, so maybe I need to do more work Focusing on increasing my core strength and my understanding of how to brace is something that I need to work on. Uh, squatting versus deadlifting. Like Matt, you said before, I, you may love squatting, you may love deadlifting, but from an assessment perspective, we understand that, hey, your, your ratio squat to deadlift is really off. So maybe you only need to squat once or twice a month, two, two, two or four times a week or something like that, whatever the case may be based on your results, and you need to deadlift more so that your body is f performing better when you do squat or when you do any workout because we've created a, a ratio or we found the ratio uh, of occurrence of how often you're doing the movement to make your body's ratio of strength appropriate. So I think that's step two and, and really diving into that approach of, all right, what do I need to do for my body versus what do I wanna do for fun? And it's kind of a yin and yang. Hmm. For a lot of people, it's a lot of people that want, want to do X, but their body really needs Y uh, in order for them to be healthy and successful long term. It's a great, great point, Mario. The the why is important, and and I'll challenge anyone listening to this 
can you clearly define what your goals are? The answer is likely no, unless you've done some work on it. Um, when you know that though, when you know like why you're working out, why am I going to the gym? What do I want to get out of this? And I'm not talking about today. I'm not talking about the, uh, the short term um, dopamine drip of intensity that is CrossFit. I'm talking about how do you want to feel in five years, in 20 years, whatever it might be. My mother is 61 years old. She started CrossFit at 57 after doing nothing for most of her life and is now fitter than she was at 30. That's an incredible achievement. And she started late, real late. Fantastic. And then there's these 20-year-olds, 30-year-olds, even 40-year-olds seeking these short-term gains like, I want to be able to squat this weight. I want to be able to do this and do this and do this. What about, what about moving your body when you're older? And it takes me back to all my um, research when I was um, studying like CrossFit intensely, trying to get my, my CrossFit certifications, things like that, going to level one seminars, teaching um, the, they teach a lot about what the purpose of CrossFit is and what, what we're really trying to achieve here and it's longevity. That is the purpose of all this. Um, and it's changed over time. It started as forging elite fitness, right? That was the motto. Um, increased work capacity across broad time and modal domains is the, um, the way that we get, um, get fitter. That's since changed to increased work capacity across broad time and modal domains for the rest of your life. They've added this in. And what happens is we reach this point of fitness where, hey, yes, you can lift this much weight. Yes, you can run this mile. Your blood sugar levels are also fantastic. Your cholesterol is excellent your resting heart rate is excellent. And when we, when, when we surpass this level of fitness, we build a buffer against immobility, chronic disease, all these issues in the long term. And I, and I know most people are just not thinking about what, where they're gonna be at when they're 61. I didn't think about this stuff either when I was in my early 20s. It took me a long time to get to the point of like, all right, if I plant some seeds today, you know, when I'm, when I'm 50 and I have, you know, kids that want to start doing this stuff, I've, I should be able to do it with them. I should be able to go and do the things I'm dreaming about today so that, hey, when you retire, you can actually go and take that vacation you've always wanted. You can go and play with your kids the way they want to without feeling out of breath. That's what's really important. And building your squat strength is a direct correlation to your ability to stand up off the floor when you're 80, yes. Except there's a point of diminishing return. Overcompensating, overtraining, lead to injuries, lead to low, higher stress. If your cortisol levels, right, the stress hormone increases too much, all those levels, those blood levels that you worked for to get 
down and get into the right ranges, they're going to be wildly unpredictable. And you're going to get the exact opposite of what you wanted in the first place, as long as that's what you want. So it's really important to figure out your why and discover, discover what it is that you're looking for and why you're in the gym. Um, and, and I want to give people some... Um, A little, a little bit of a sigh of relief. You're going to be okay. Life's good. Life's really good. And you can change things. You can, do, you can take steps today. And you're, you don't have to give anything up. And that's what uh, the misconception is on the type of training that, that is required for longevity and for this stuff. You're not giving anything up other than your ego. And yeah, you, hey, scale a workout once in a while. See how that feels. Go hard and heavy once in a while. See how that feels. What are, what are some other ways that we continue to build and build and build without giving up the things we love? Understanding, as you said, our goals and understanding what we're really trying to get about. A lot of people want a certain body physique and that's fine. Uh, but our training capacity, we have to moderate our rate of perceived exertion. We have to make sure that when we're training, every day is in a compete day. Every day isn't a max out day uh, because it will catch up to you in the short term and it most assuredly will catch up to you in the long term. Uh, and that's something that for me that I've, that's probably the biggest thing that's cha changed in my training over the last year, year and a half, 18 months uh, of, is how often I really empty the tank. If you see me in a workout, I don't take class all the time. But when I do, I really only empty the tank maybe once or twice a week, once or twice every other week. Um, because I know if I want to work out again tomorrow or the next day, I don't want to be in such uh, soreness or pain that uh, I can't function and I can't do this, I can't coach or I can't perform other activities. So understanding that every day shouldn't be 100%. And that your body, you have to listen to your body in some, in some cases, and you might need to take a step back. As Matt said, scale a workout. And this can be uh, moderated by the coach. The coach might say to you what the stimulus of the workout is, but it also can be on your own thing. Let's say we have a workout with kipping pull-ups. Your shoulders are bothering you. Maybe we don't want to do 30 kipping pull-ups today's workout. Maybe we want to do some tempo ring rows. We're still doing some shoulder work. We're still participating in the workout, but instead of rocking our shoulders with 30 or 50 kipping pull-ups, maybe we're doing some tempo ring rows, still getting a good shoulder pump, but we're operating at a lower intensity that's more beneficial for our shoulders this week, next week, and avoiding that acute injury that may be leading to chronic pain. And now we have a huge issue on our hands that we have to, uh, have to deal with for our current uh, ability to do our workouts that we enjoy, but also our long-term ability to uh, live and uh, do the things we want to do like Matt was saying let's take a shoulder injury for example so what I just said we didn't listen to our body we did those 50 kipping pull-ups that we shouldn't have done now we have a shoulder injury maybe we tore our bicep or tore our shoulder or rotator cuff so not only are we not able to work out now for the next six to eight months while we recover from that injury Maybe we've developed some other health issues. Maybe this is now going to be an issue for the rest of our life 30 years from now because of that uh, day where we decided not to listen to our body. It's like, like I can recap to earlier. It's not that that set of pull-ups was the uh, 
factor that caused the injury. We, we as I as we mentioned before, things lead up to our injury occurrence, the date that that injury happens. But because we didn't listen to our body and our load exceeded our capacity that one day, we might have long lasting effects of that. So it's really important that we take a step back, decrease the intensity, operate at mixed intensities during our week so that we can work out today, have fun, compete when we want to, but also be able to do this uh, at, a, at a high capacity for the next five, 10, 15 years and beyond. The, made a lot of great points there, Mario. One of them is about the injury process and then the recovery period. Let's take, for example, a broken bone. This happens. It's not your fault, right? You get into an accident, you fall, you trip, stupid things, right? Uh, hey, even you smash your leg up on a box jump. This happens all the time. So you take a couple weeks off for the gym or worse, you, you need surgery. You, you take a few months off from the gym and you finally start feeling good. So you go back and all of a sudden you're right back where you started because you decided you were still good and you could do what you used to do. That recovery process ends after reintroduction to what you do. Um, we call it returning to sport in, in the methodology that we use to, to fix these problems and, and in how we um, prioritize the training. We, when you get hurt, when there's a problem, first thing is reduce, reduce, reduce the intensity and maintain the effectiveness of the workouts. So if you get hurt and you go from doing, you, you started by doing six days a week of workouts, you got to cut down to one or two. With worse, worse injuries, you got to cut down to zero. Start the recovery process. So you're now at a baseline of zero days a week. You can't go back to the gym immediately to six days a week. You start with once or twice. You do that for a few weeks at a moderate to high intensity. Then you start introducing another day, a recovery day, and then you introduce another day, and then you introduce another day. And this is over the course of weeks and months, and it sounds difficult. The higher your starting point, the easier it is to return though. If you're already super fit and you get hurt, you take a few weeks off, it's gonna take you a couple weeks to get back in, you'll get back in, as long as you're smart get back to that high volume, get back to that relative high intensity. If we go back too soon and it's an acute injury, you're going to re-injure it. If you go back too soon and it's a chronic injury, it's just going to continue to get worse, not get any better. And if you're one, if you're spending money, you guys, people have worked one-on-one -on -one with us. You know how much it costs. It's not, it's not cheap. It's a big chunk of change out of your pocket that's going to save you in the long run. And we want to see you get the most out of it. So that means taking the time, taking it slower than you think, so that when we are ready to go and coach says, get after it, you can do that without getting hurt again and coming back and needing to either spend more money on training or go to a doctor, which the cost of that far outweigh what it would cost to do personal training. 
someone else, someone's got to pay for it. Your insurance company will, and you'll see that for the rest of your life. So if you get hurt and you do the work, you, you want to follow through in a way that's smart and palpable for you as an individual. And it's going to be different, right? Your buffer might be higher for, uh, for pain and for injury. So we can reintroduce you a little bit quicker. Um, and this happens in professional sports. People who get paid to do their sport, if they get hurt, they're on the, they're on the injury list. They are not playing until their doctor or trainer clears them to play. And that might be months or years. So if it's important enough to you, then follow this in a way that's going to be good for you. Um, there are some other things that can impede our recovery. And we'll, we'll get to the end of, our, our, uh, of this episode on this. The way you react to a situation will, will reflect how your recovery goes and what that feels like. And I, I read a book recently. Um, sort of related. The book itself is, is, uh, is more on, on the, the brain and mind. It's called Evolve Your Brain. And uh, the guy who wrote it is a physical therapist, Dr. Joe Dispenza. Look him up. Awesome guy. He was running, competing in a triathlon in uh, Palm Springs, California. On the bike portion, gets hit by a truck from behind. Brutal. The way he described it in the book was he was flung 30 to 50 feet, took a few tumbles, woke up painless, right? That happens when you're in shock. You don't feel the pain until later. Next thing he knows, he's in the hospital. He's got six compressed dicks discs in his spine that means the the uh the stuff between the vertebrae are the discs those are filled with fluid they popped and now his bones the vertebrae are compressed on top of each other the surgery that he was that was suggested to him is uh where they insert these these metal rods onto either side of the spine they drill into the back and uh and it's awful. His doctors said he would never walk again. The word never is the key point there. Never walk again. And as a doctor himself, he was familiar with this and would have recommended it to another person in his shoes, usually. Except the recovery from this surgery is, is uh, two to three years of physical therapy and training. And the likelihood of you ever competing or walking again the way you used to is close to zero. And that just wasn't an option for this guy. So he said, no, I'm going to check out of the hospital. I'm going, to, I'm going to leave and try my own thing. So he checked out after his doctors basically fought him and friends said, no, this is stupid. You're going to, you're going to die, basically. He, uh, he began the healing process simply by thinking about fixing his back, like picturing it in his head thinking about all the things he'll be able to do when he recovers, thinking about what life might be like living in a wheelchair. And after six weeks, motor function restored. At 10 weeks, he was on his feet. At 12 weeks, he was training again for his next event. Now he's, this is 30 years later, he's uh, fit, healthy, active, and recovered. There's no more pain. 
because his doctor said he could never walk again and he chose to not accept that as true. And we talked before about the identity crisis that happens when you're in pain. Um, if you believe that you are your diagnosis, you will be your diagnosis. You will always be a person who has a bad back and you'll use that as an excuse to not do the thing, to not improve. Guess what though? There's things out there to help you, help you along the way, help you improve. You have to take the time and look for it. You have to get out and get another opinion from someone who's objective. Doctors make a lot of money off surgeries. They're gonna push you in that direction. They make a lot of money off writing scripts for pain meds. They make, a, chiropractors make a ton of money by telling you to come back and come, come back for more treatment when all they're doing is rubbing you down, moving some stuff around. And there's some, there's some good stuff to that. A lot of times they milk it. A lot of times they're gonna get as much as they can out of it, knowing full well that they can only help you so much and you're gonna need more when you're done. You're going to need to get that next step. So you can choose to, to accept the the fact that you got hurt as a now a part of you, or you can say, all right, that happened. I got hurt. What's What can I do now to make sure that I can get back to what I love? Be the person you want to be, right? Mario, if you're feeling pain, discomfort, struggling with movements even, what can you do right now? What are the next steps? If you're in the gym, yeah. one thing you can do is uh, meet with one of us, Matt, Mike. Matt, Mike, that's not my name. My name is Mario. <laughs> meet with one of us to do an assessment. Crazy too. Crazy as well. Well trained in this. And what we can do is we can unpack through our assessment process what actually is going on with you, why you're in pain, and if you are a fit for uh, what we do with corrective exercise, we can put a plan together that can help you get out of pain. If what you're experiencing is something outside of our scope, we will refer you to a doctor, physical therapist, chiropractor, who we feel is more beneficial for you if you're, you're, what you're experiencing is outside of what we can handle with corrective exercise and getting you back to your capabilities in the CrossFit class. Right. You, some people may be better suited elsewhere at the moment. Most acute injuries, yeah, go see a doctor. I'm not going to heal a broken bone, but I will help you when you're ready to come back. And that's the big difference. We say no a lot. We look at an assessment and, and say this is, this is something we can deal with or, or not. And that's a really big factor in, in you getting what you need out of it because that's what's important. Um, aside from getting assessed, talking to one of us, which is totally free, by the way, we will make the time and uh, get to know where you know what your lifestyle is like actually do a movement screen and see what your limitations are talk about these these problems and then make a decision after that we do we will consult with you we'll tell you what our plan is and then we can help you decide what's going to be the best um, best way of going about it aside from that if you're experiencing pain right now and it's just started, take a little rest, 
slow down. Hey, go to the gym, tell your coach you're feeling this pain, you'd like to do something else. Um, or just take some rest. If it is something you've been dealing with for a while, we do recommend you get help. You recommend you go talk to an expert. If it's one of us, great. We can point you in the right direction no matter what. Or you go talk to your regular doctor. Um, if you know a guy who knows a guy who knows a physical therapist, talk to them. Look for the answers and you'll find them. These are the next steps. You don't have to be in pain. You can work out at a very high intensity um, and get a lot out of it and re look really good and get all those results and never be in pain again. That's something I've learned in the last two years. And I was a competitive athlete for most of my life. And now I'm fitter than I was at 17. Fitter than I was when I PR'd my squat clean at almost 300 pounds at 22. Things change and it's okay. When you realize you can make progress, then, uh, then you're going to. You just gotta go out and look for the, look for the help that you, uh, that you need. Um, so if anybody has, uh, has any of these problems and wants to talk, uh, see one of the coaches, talk to me or Mario, talk to Mike uh, in the gym, talk to Krizzy, start asking questions and uh, you'll get some answers. Uh, Mario, you got anything else you want to leave people with? No, I think we covered all we wanted to talk about. Thank you for having me on the show. Awesome. Guys, uh, if, you, if this helped, we appreciate it. Give us, uh, give us some comments. Let us know what you think, how we can do better. Share it with a friend if they need it. Thanks again. See you soon.